Open your Bibles up to Ephesians chapter 2. And we are continuing in a series. I just want to thank Jonathan Gully, who came up from Waco last night. He is running uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines's businesses down there. He was a church planner for about 10 years in Antioch in Wheaton, where uh, Micah and Rachel met, were smitten, fell in love, and then came down here, which is awesome. And uh, but that's so they uh, Micah came up under while Jonathan was still there and uh, Jonathan preached last week. Heard he did a great job. I listened to at least one of the messages. Uh, don't know which one, but uh, on the on the plane. So we were out of town last week and it's good to be uh, know that there's great preaching happening and good to be back uh, missing everybody. So here we go. We're looking at a, this is a part three in the series. We're asking, is there more? And this is. One of those areas, uh, I'm going to be kind of talking about peace and being one family here, but certainly even in the big picture, the macro picture, one family of peace and love on the earth. And I know that sounds maybe a little bit sappy uh, at one level, but we all want it. We want peace. We want peace in our key relationships. We want peace in the world. We want peace in the churches. We want peace in our city. You know, and those are all things that we feel. God wired us up. He made us that way to long for that. He really did. And and so we know, you know, I mean, you can look around and see there's something wrong. We struggle. We all struggle different times with relationships. Could I get a small witness on that? But it it happens in lots of ways. So you've got big things, race, right? Racial things, tensions, all that kind of stuff. Gender, gender. Women being honored the way women ought to be honored or not and abuse and all those kinds of things, Uh, socioeconomic issues that separate us, that 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 create places of angst in our hearts and lives, different parts of the world, different nationalities. You see states that have been created over, you know, the nation state didn't always exist and it does now. But those that creates tension in those things, politics. Politics, whether it's in the United States or someplace else, are places of 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 competing visions and values. One of the things I saw a survey recently, just a couple weeks ago, that said that people are more likely to uh, to uh, they would be less likely to want their children to marry somebody from a different political party than a different race, which says a lot about politics even. Right. I mean, like, wow. okay, so I, you know, you can. Marry anybody on planet Earth, but you just can't marry a Republican or a Democrat or that, that, it's interesting. I probably as some of you guys are going, wow, you don't care about that. I, it's like just not a big deal to me. Um, so it's, that's an interesting kind of statistic. Uh, politics, persecutions, retaliations. You know, and if you were to just take just the last week's news, anybody look at the news just in, let's say, one week's worth of time. In this last week, all of the things that have happened, just one week. So you've got, uh, I don't know what the final number is, but all these refugees coming out of North Africa, dying in the Mediterranean, and hearing that human trafficking was even involved in that whole deal. Just crazy, crazy stuff in the news. You've got, uh, let's see, last week was also the 100th anniversary of the Armenian genocide that happened in the former Ottoman Empire, now Turkey. Everybody tracking? Don't don't know that happened. So like a million and a half people were killed. A million people were displaced during that time. It was a kind of a a regimented plan for 
placing this people that were in the midst of a certain people group, but they were different. And so that people that had create, you know, civilization is a good thing. But this good thing creates culture that that gets us. We're all we're all kind of alike. And then we don't like anybody that's kind of different from us. And it creates this need to either reach out and include or exclude them from from being like us. So that's what happens in civilization. So they got the Armenian deal. In fact, one thing I read in reading about the, the, the genocide was that the word genocide it wasn't really even a word before 1943. And it was coined in relationship to that to that that genocide. And then what was going on with the uh, the Jews in, in Nazi Germany. And even since that time, there's been a number of other kinds of things where that's kind of the appropriate word to use. What was happening in Rwanda with one people group against another people group. The same thing was happening in uh, former Yugoslavia. James, uh, if he's still in the service, but James and Laura were seven years in Zagreb and we planted a church there and there's a church going on. But in the early 90s, man, there was this crazy war where all the different nationalities were rising up in their national pride and fighting against the other peoples that were all in their midst. And they were kicking people out of their city if they were different from them. Y'all, y'all know all that was happening. That's just recent history. And then there were massive killings and all that kind of stuff. Ugh, it's oppressive. Eat, uh, what else? Beheadings of Christians, the persecution of Christians that's happening right now. It's always been going on, but people just didn't always see it. Now it's Internet, Twitter, Facebook, just World Wide Web. All that kind of stuff is happening right now. Our brothers and sisters around the world, that would be like religious strife, you know, that's going on. People being killed. I got a letter just a couple of weeks ago from some some friends. They've spoken here before. And uh, I'm not going to s- say their names just because of the the, uh, the the this is going up on the, the Internet. But the, the, they said, dear, precious sisters of Persian background, we'll just leave it like that. And they're in a country that everybody knows, but you know, just not say that either. But uh, these precious sisters never been married. And I mean, used by God in an apostolic way to plant churches, make disciples all through the Middle East. And they said, uh, said when the ISIS arrived in a city that gave Christians a choice, they gave Christians a choice that if they become Muslim, they can safely stay at their homes. Nobody was willing to deny Christ, even the ones who had very little knowledge of the Lord. Thousands of families left their homes and everything behind and everything behind before ISIS arrived in their city. A great number of them still have to live in tents. As you know, they treated the Muslims of another sect worse than they treated the Christians. At the time of the crisis here, the ones who follow our Lord were very courageous and were not afraid of losing their lives, their loved ones and all that they had for him and for his name's sake. Most of his children, after they found out that there is such a threat to their lives for being Christians. You ready for this? This is what this is what our brothers and sisters are doing When they found out the threat was against their lives, they put a wooden cross up in front of their buildings. The cross was decorated with lights at night and beautiful. Also, they announced that they are Christians. They are not going to deny him and are not afraid of paying the price, any price for following him. Our. Yeah, let's not keep going. The point there is that's what's going on right now around the world. And you don't have to, like, be a, a social scientist to go, man, there's a whole lot of strife. Pain, hurting, wounds, all those kinds of things. In our own country, there's tensions over race, 
relations, justice, police shootings, all those things in churches divided by race over and over again in city after city marriages. You know, if if uh, it just I, I think about in just bringing it down to home marriages, oftentimes they get to this place where they think there's no more hope and no more way of this thing making it our, our marriage making it. That would be bringing it down very personally. Um, sibling rivalries. Anybody, you know, that's real, like brothers and sisters that don't get along, you know, or maybe someone's designated as the, you know, the 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 the, the out of line one or been to jail or, you know, whatever. And so it's hard for the other siblings to talk to them. And in the Bible, probably the 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 quintessential description of what I'm talking about here would be Jews and Gentiles, kind of the in group and the out group. If, if you were, if, if you will. And so all of those kinds of dynamics are happening in the world or happening in Scripture. And in all these things, it's like so much pain. And the pain, a lot of times, is the shame of exclusion. It's the shame of not being in, but being out, of being left out. Second team, not picked. All that kind of the ways that we would describe the shame of exclusion. Um, there's a famous book by... Again, I'm mentioning uh, Yugoslavia for the second time, former Yugoslavia, but uh, a a theologian by the name of Miroslav Volf, who's head of some kind of part of the theological uh, world at Princeton University. But he's from Croatia and he wrote this famous book called Exclusion and Embrace, Exclusion and Embrace. And it was kind of written out of the pain of the Balkan War that he, you know, that that's where he's from. And so there's this idea that when a conflict starts, the first thing that happens is exclusion. You're pushed out, you know, and then that happens in lots of different ways. You're pushed out emotionally, could be physically. You're pushed out of of the world, of of my world. You're pushed out and even the point of even happening violently. And embrace then is what God does through Jesus Christ in the cross He comes down and he literally embraces sinners, broken people, people from every tribe and language and nation and tongue and all of our differences and all of our different backgrounds and economic situations and educational situations, all of their different nationalities and ethnicities and all that kind of all those backgrounds. That's what happens. Reconciliation and, and forgiveness happens and so God does that for us and he calls us to embrace as well, to be a people that embrace and reach outside of our whatever we decide is is comfortable for us as Fort Worth people or as, you know, if it's your nationality or if it's our certain kind of way of doing church or if it's our certain kind of way of whatever, you know, just, we could go on and on. I'll, I'll give some more practicals as we go. But God's calling us to be a people that not only receive the love of Jesus and the embrace of Jesus, but we are the calling is that we would be people that live with our eyes fixed on what's coming and be. Uh, y'all remember this phrase when I do this? What am I? What am I doing? It's a signpost, a signpost pointing toward what's out there. And we're to be like time machine people that that see that future and bring that future into the now. The church is where God's future breaks into the present. 
That's what we're supposed to be. And so even though, you know, there's all these different backgrounds and economic situations and racial backgrounds and all. I mean, talk about mixes. If we were supposed to even just go down through everybody's, you know, if we could do a, you know, genealogy of everybody in here, it, it would be crazy trying to find out all the different ways that we've been touched by the nations of the earth. Right. Um, whatever, whatever I am, German. Cherokee something. European something another. I don't um, But but we're supposed to be this people that are living with that future in mind. Jesus, he is the way he's the way of love. He's the, he brings a message of love. His kingdom is so much more than we're experiencing right now. And um, part of the tension that we feel is, man, I'm standing here. It's 2015. I wish it was something different than it is. And I look at what God's calling us to and I'm not there. And we're going to talk about that this morning. There's a tension between where we're at and where God's calling us to go. And if we don't recognize that and recognize that it's a journey and it gets worked out in just life on life, just just individuals just doing the next thing that God calls you to. If you don't realize that, then you'll get overwhelmed and get cynical about the whole thing. Well, golly, look at look at what happened in the last week. Look at genocide or look at all these, you know, look at the way people are treating each other. And you just get under it and you go, man, I want the world to change. But I, it's overwhelming to me and it's going to start just with me in my life. I, let me say it like this. How many of you guys can remember a time when you thought, I don't know if forgiveness is possible for me. But then you discovered that forgiveness was possible. It, it seemed like out there and impossible. And then all of a sudden, wow, it's real. Or the love of God, receiving the love of God. Is, can, I, can I receive that? Can it be like that in my life? And then... And it seems impossible. And then it happens. And the same thing is true with this. We look at one family of peace and love and we go, oh, man, is this is is this possible? And I just want to say, even though we're immature, we're on a journey, we haven't arrived, we're in process, we're we're on, you know, we're we're making steps, but we're not there. We take a few steps forward, take a few steps back, but it's going to happen. What I'm describing is reality. So let's read this passage together. Ephesians chapter two, verses 11 through 22. If you would stand for the reading of God's word. When I finish this, I will say this is the word of God. And you enthusiastically say, thanks be to God. I'm trying to shape our hearts about love and respect and honor for the word of God. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised, By those who call themselves the circumcision that done in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now you who once in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away, have been brought near through the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace. He's made the two one. And destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body 
to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to you who are near, who were near to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone in him. The whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Be seated. Okay, everybody doing good. All right. So the main thing I'm trying to say is this in Christ, God has brought us together, something that God has done, and he's made us to be one family that is marked by peace and love. And what I want to hit here this morning is that as we follow Jesus, we're following Jesus, there is a tension between what the reality is and where we're at. And so we're going to look at that. First of all, the reality. You can write that down. The reality. The reality is we were excluded, but God has done something in Christ to make us one. God has in Christ made Jesus to be our peace where we were in strife, in conflict and all of that. God has made Jesus to be for us peace between peoples. He's brought the dividing wall of hostility down and he's brought a, just an end to our to our hostilities through his death. How? By including us in Christ. We are included in that death with him. And so all of that fleshy, carnal. I've got to be number one. My people group is number one. You know, we in, in seeing this reality, we realize Jesus has made a way for us to live at peace with one another by including us not only in his life, but also in his death. It's the inclusion in his death that is the path to freedom, freedom from alcoholism or drug addiction or any kinds of addiction, addictive things that we get into. It's that that we die, that I don't have to live, even though I can any of us, you know, we're still in the in the body. Right. And so any of us, you feed your flesh. If you feed even the, this mindset that I'm talking about, my national pride is better than, you know, our, our Americanism, nationalism is better than everybody else. If you feed that, it's like feeding any other kind of sin. It becomes like an idol in our lives. And so this this flesh that is kind of dormant over here, I'm going to I'm going to this is my flesh and and it's just over. It, it's there and it, he's, he's just there. But if I'm walking in the spirit. He, you know, he, he stays like this. But if I feed him and he kind of. You know, and I feed him a little more and just and for long, he's like, ah, you know, give me this and give me that. And I do what I want to do. And those people are bad. And, you know, and it's all about me. Maybe. So just might have just just making sure it's not just me. And so the reality is what Jesus has done for us. The, you know, the big Bible word is reconciliation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, Paul says there that God was in Christ. And what Jesus did for us on the cross, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. 
So he did all of that so that he could embrace us into his heart. Does that make sense? So he did that so that we could be reconciled to him. But in being reconciled to God, we are also reconciled to one another. Across all of our differences and background, all the things that we've, you know, as we are reconciled to God, we are also reconciled to one another. doesn't mean I stop being Jamie and I lose. I just kind of meld into the great consciousness or something. I, that's what, to be in the image of God means that we are uh, we will be one. But we will also be distinct. Sean doesn't stop being Sean. I don't stop being me just because we're married. You know, we're described as being one. But I don't, you know, we don't, you know, and I don't start talking like this. (laughs) I did that in the first service. She said, and I don't talk like that either. But reconciliation and it's all centered in Jesus Christ and what he has done for humanity. Jesus has done this thing for us. He is the mystery that Paul goes on there in chapter three and talks about. He's the mystery revealed. It blows Paul away. No one knew about it. Everybody was like looking into this and they couldn't figure it out. And he comes along and says this mystery, it was hidden, but it's been revealed to the apostles and the prophets. And it's that all people are going to be one. There's not going to be Jews over here and all the other nations and ethnic groups over here. God's done this amazing thing and he's making people one. And so I'm going to go around preaching the riches of Christ everywhere I can go. All among the nations of the earth. I'm going to preach the riches of what Christ, who Christ is, what he's done, what he's doing, what he will do. And how that's getting worked out through the church, through the community of God's people together, gathered in real places where there's a lampstand like Christ's fellowship and like in Fort Worth and all the churches that are preaching the living Christ. Does this make sense? Oh, man, it's good news. It's awesome news. And so Paul says, I'm going to preach Christ and I'm going to preach the church because the church is the administration of how Christ is getting worked out. If you could think about it like this, Christ is the the mystery. Jesus is the mystery of God revealed and the church is the mystery of Christ revealed. What's Jesus like? So we want to be people that live with a big vision of of what God wants the church to be so that, I mean, like this city that we live in, this county, Tarrant County, Fort Worth, we want to, uh, Fort Worth to be able to go, what is God's plan? What is God doing? What is going on that he's doing on the earth? And we should be able to be a people marked by all kinds of crazy diversity and looking like our city. I mean, with African-American and Hispanic and just Asian, every background and ethnicity. One of the big ones is Bosnia. We need more Bosnians in, in our church. You know, just we want to look like our city. And so that we can point to say, this is what God's doing, not just in Fort Worth, but global. I mean, like big time around the world. God's doing this thing. How do I know this? The vision. Look at Revelation. Look at the end of the thing. You've got people from every tribe, language, nation and tongue. They're distinct. They still have their differences. All the things that that make them unique, they're there. But they are one people, one new man, one new family of peace and love. And that's where this thing is going. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm trying to start preaching. That's the reality that we're going for. That's the vision. That's where things are going. And it should 
motivate me and move me. And, you know, where there was war, there's not going to be war. There's going to be love and peace where there was bitterness and anger. There's going to be forgiveness where there was envy. There's going to be excitement for what's happening in other people's lives. All of that. So there's this incredible uh, just being honest, there's this incredible tension because I don't always get to experience that in life. I believe it. I've given my life at one level to try to see this. I got gripped by this I, early on. It started, you know, you guys know I love Ephesians and it's where the, it's, it's one of the places where God grabbed my heart. And I thought, man, I want to be about the eternal purpose of God. It's like anybody in on that, you know, the eternal purpose of God, you know, to that he's accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in putting on display his unbelievable manifold wisdom to the heavenlies. And where is he doing that? It's now through the church. His manifold wisdom should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Man, that's that's awesome. I want to be a part of it. We are a part of it. We want to keep being a part of it. And we won't we don't want to stop where we're at and go, OK, this is it. We don't want to get cynical because we haven't seen everything that's going to happen happen yet. Anybody ever felt that way? Oh, man, look what's going on there now. Is this ever is this ever going to happen? So let's talk a little bit more about moving into this. So you got the reality been proclaiming that a bit to you moving into it because, you know, I again, I'm a signpost. It's over there. That reality. It's, th- what I'm talking about is the kingdom of God. So the kingdom is now. We know it's now. Jesus said the kingdom has come. And yet we don't fully see everything, do we? But just because we don't see everything doesn't mean we stop believing for that kingdom happening. So one day, you know, the end of the story is that heaven comes to earth and there's a new heaven, a new earth. And we have glorified bodies and we live in this this realm, this place on a new earth where there's no separation between the will of God and it being done on the earth. Okay, so we live in that time. We're kind of in this in between time right now. It's the now and not yet time. I mean, I've seen people healed. I've seen dramatic healings. I haven't seen everybody healed. I've seen incredible miracles, but I don't always see that. You know, Friday night we were coming back. We'd gone to see Matthew uh, for uh, have a dinner with Matthew down at uh, Waco and uh we're driving back and anybody know there was a storm on Friday, Friday night. We we're getting texts from people saying, hey, there's a storm. Hope your house is OK and stuff like that. And uh, we we're like, ah. so we're driving back. And I mean, it just goes bonkers. I mean, just it's raining. I can't even see. We're slowing down. The windshield wipers are going, you know, and just slinging water and all that. I was like, Lord. And I just pray with me, Kim. I said, Lord, part these clouds in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I mean, just within 20, 20 seconds, the clouds parted and the sky got clear and the rain stopped and we didn't have any more rain on the way home. And she goes, Jamie, wow, that's that's awesome. And I prayed that prayer before and it not be answered. But that's a now. That's a now just an example. What I'm trying to say here is that just because we don't always see it happen doesn't mean that we don't believe for that heaven thing to become a reality here and now. This is the this is the kingdom. This is the life that we're believing for. This is moving into that reality. 
You know, and so on the macro level, man, you know, I I want to see peace. I, I think of the beauty pageant girls, you know, world peace, you know, and it, we, we, we laugh at that. But, God, you know, gee, that's what we want. We want world peace. And we live in the most powerful nation in the world. And it's not I'm not going to go down the whole militarism and all, all that kind of stuff. It's just in the big picture. As Christians, we are ultimately longing for peace. Now, everybody's going to have a different grace to pray for that and believe for that happening right now. But I believe in peace like I believe in healing and love and righteousness and justice. Those that's the way it's going to be. It's going to be that way one day. Now, there's a lot of that doesn't get us all worked out on your political views and pacifism and all that stuff. I'm not trying to do that, but I am calling you to think deeply about what do you believe about the big picture? I believe that God ultimately wants people of every tribe, language, nation and tongue living in peace with one another. Under the reigning headship and lordship of King Jesus. So everybody okay? Pressure relief. Not telling you what to believe politically. I'm trying to influence you a little bit. Just to, I mean, just to believe. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. This is where this thing is going. It's not going in the end. The, the kingdom reality, the, the not yet is is things uh, in, in peace and in, in life. So that's on a macro level. But on a micro level, how do we do this? You know what it is? It's loving people that God places in our lives. That's why Paul goes on at the end of chapter three and he says, I pray that you would have Christ like in your hearts and you would know the breadth, depth, height, depth, all that stuff of his love and that you would keep growing in his love until you come to the fullness of God and <coughs> and love people the way God loves people just holistically and completely that kind of full and it would just blow you away. It'd be beyond the, anything that you can even measurably ask or imagine or think about. And it's going to bring God glory in Christ and in the church throughout all the generations. We are one of those. And so when I think about that, why then is the most important commandment, the commandment to love? I mean, it's the most important. It trumps all. Of, it's the most important thing we can say about us. Not do you believe the right stuff about all the intricacies of doctrine and theology? Do you love? It is the most important thing. Jesus said we will be known. Here we go. I mean, by our love. We want to be known by love. And so there's this process then of those on the outside that have to be embraced. There is an embrace that's waiting to happen. And maybe there's been a conscious exclusion in our minds of other people, or maybe there's been an unconscious exclusion, but God's calling us to do what Jesus did and go the way of the cross and absorb pain from others and then embrace them. Embrace them. Even as we work through the things that difficulties, misunderstandings, anybody ever felt misunderstood by somebody that you're called to love? And that's the way it works. 
since, I mean, a long time before we got married. That's a long time ago. Twenty nine wonderful years ago. And uh, so uh, can you help me do this illustration again? So since before we got married, I would walk toward Kim like this. You know, it looks kind of goofy, doesn't it? But it is the preparation for a hug. And she would do the opposite like that. Okay, this is that's a married hug. That's not how you hug in the church. In the church, you kind of do this. Yeah. Um, But we would do this thing like this. And if you think about the whole embrace process, there is a reaching out. There is some kind of movement in the other, the other person. There is even then when you come together, it might be a little awkward at first. And it would remain awkward if you didn't embrace. What if you just. You... <laughs> hey, that's good. All right. Cool. All right. Thanks. <clears throat> you, you embrace. So there's maybe one, two, three, four steps in that whole process or something. And if I. Uh, but that's what I'm called to do, you know, with Tony, with Daniel, you know, all just around the room. I, I could go person by person. We are called to embrace and not just here, but also outside of the circle of, of church life here. Um, I think that, uh, you know, marriage is probably a great illustration, actually, um, b- because we think of this as one. It's easy to see marriage is supposed to be one. And yet we're distinct. And the Lord is calling us, though, to not just stay there with the marriage picture, but even like the, the friend picture, you know, with two brothers or the larger church. We're actually called to be. I know it gets don't don't go overboard on the intimacy thing, but there is a level of intimacy that's greater than what we're living in that the Lord is calling us to. And it's like marriage. It's there's a oneness. And yet there will always be a distinction in who we are as individuals. Ashley's always going to be Ashley, you know. And, and so that's that's part of this process of moving into this reality. Jesus came to, and, and I will say this too: you cannot give this if you don't have it. You can't give love that you don't have. And so that's why it's so important that we practice receiving the, the father's love so that we have some love to give to some. I'll run out. I run out quick when I'm doing it in my own strength. You ever feel burned out or weary or burdened, uh, worn out, uh, tired, um, feel like you can't love anymore, or minister anymore? Uh, several, several of you guys. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. And it's like this. This the way it gets worked out is a one person at a time in a relationship. Uh, Ty Denny. <clears throat> old friend from he was one of the elders at Antioch Waco. And uh, we were at a, a conference one time. It was the missions thing down in uh, Juarez when the college were still doing Juarez. And and uh, he was praying for somebody. And I mean, it's flat out revival. I mean, kids just lined up the front 20 deep praying, giving their hearts to God. And Ty's praying for this one guy and he's calling out to God, God, have your way in my life and all this. He goes, hey, man. You know, the guy's really obviously touched by God. He said, how can I pray for you? And the guy turns around and he goes, it's global, man. And the guy puts his head back down. Ty prays for him a little more. And he 
does the same thing again. It's, it's global. And then he gets to talking with him and he says, hey, are you like in a life group? Are you connected to community? You know, because the things that you're wanting to see happen, they are not going to get worked out just by just seeing the global piece. It's got to be worked out in you and in relationship with other people. Discipleship, life groups, being known by others, knowing others, having input into our lives, getting help with our blind spots. Um, just all of that, learning to learning to think the best about other people. I mean, jeepers, we could we could just go a long way on just learning to think the best about other people that community actually forces us to do because we're going to see that person again. And we can't just go around just being negative all the time in our attitudes and perspectives about about people. Right. I feel like I'm preaching fine. Okay. So, uh, yeah, just individuals, life, real relationships. That's the way we get to see the not yet in our lives. And it gets shaped in us by some practical habits. I've been finishing each one of these messages with habits that shape us. So let's let's do a few more of these. The first one is this forgiveness. Forgiveness is a habit that's going to shape us as we practice it. The Anabaptists had this thing called the rule of Christ. And they would, if they had something against somebody or they needed to forgive somebody or if they needed to receive forgiveness and they knew about it, then they would go to that person and ask for their forgiveness, you know, or they would forgive them. Now, let me just say, before you start going to people and forgiving them, make sure they know that it's something that's it's it's known because a lot of times it's not a real big blessing, you know, uh, hey, Kim, just want you to know I forgive you for hurting me so bad and you. And she didn't know anything about it. And you walk away. Whoo, I feel so much better now. So there's there's some there's an etiquette. I mean, there's some thought through the, the way to do that. But I mean, if we'll practice that, we move forward in the journey with people. We grow. We grow up. Those kinds of things. Is there anyone you need to forgive? Like that, you know, that you need to forgive or need to receive forgiveness from. That's a big part of seeing world peace happen. OK, see the macro connection to the micro. That's that's how that works. OK, forgiveness. Second one, listening prayer. Got another shout out for listening prayer here, listening prayer and learning to forgive the hurts from the past. And this is where specifically um, you can do it by yourself or you can do it with somebody. Um, uh, I need to look at a guy. Um, I, I do it with Jeff. Jeff and I were praying and and he says, you know, I had this situation come up and it was hurtful, painful. And he would say, hey, Jamie, what's the Lord saying to you? Just ima- let's imagine the Lord being there with you. What's the Lord saying to you about that? You know, he was there with you. What is what does he say? And, and it would just minister to me as I pause to listen, because the Lord's probably got something to say about that hurtful, painful situation in my life. Like, I love you. I didn't leave you. You're not alone. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Those kinds of things. So listening prayer It's a big piece of us receiving healing in our lives so that we can be healed people that help others and not wounded people that go around wounding others in the same way that we've been wounded. Because when we're hurting, we we, we hurt others a lot of times. Okay, so breaking bread is another one. Breaking bread, that could be like Lord's Supper, Eucharist. It could be uh, there's something powerful that happens when we break bread. 
bread on Sundays. We do this a couple times a, a, a month here. Crackers represent the bread, which represents the body of Christ. Juice that represents the wine, which represents the blood of Christ. You know, um, maybe we'll do bread and wine one day. You know, and, hey, guys, this is only a one step remembrance. <laughs> so a two step remembrance. But, you know, just like we do it with the tokens, we can also just sit down and literally have a meal and remember Jesus. Just a bunch of believers sitting there just going, hey, guys, let's see Jesus in this meal. Let's remember him as we break this bread and share this this whatever we're drinking, you know, just have this food and and this meal together in the name of Jesus. Okay, so uh, meals, meals, just want to just do a shout out for meals like historically people that were crossing boundaries with each other. It was the meal where they would do it. Meals are a boundary crossing experience. So you want to take this. Here's a practical. Just take this and run with it. Go invite somebody to lunch or dinner and talk about Jesus. It's all you have to do. What? Just talk about Jesus and it'll change the whole shape of things. Uh, just under breaking bread. I mean, this is not another point, but what the, the baptisms we just did a couple weeks ago, I think 10 on Easter and one the next week after that, those baptisms are uh, it's it's a uh, those are a unit. That's a unifying thing because everybody in Christ is baptized into Christ. OK, so we're baptized into him, into his death and into his life. You know, it's something that unifies us as to as members of one body, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one God and father over all and through all and in all. That's there's a oneness there that happens there. Uh, another one beyond breaking bread is recognizing the fullness of Christ. Again, this is something that the church down through the centuries has done. And it's just a simple way of going, you know what? If you'll see the fullness in other people, you won't be recognizing their differences as much as the life of Jesus in them. So I need Jackie because she's different. You know, she's different background. She's she's a woman, you know, and I need her perspective in order for me to see the fullness of Christ. We need to live life and life group together, those kinds of things. And so different gifts, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, all that kind of differences stuff comes together when we have an intentional recognizing of the fullness that happens when we're together. Okay. And then the last thing is just blessing. Blessing. I mentioned this before, I think, but in our language and in our words, I want to think the best about someone else and then speak the best concerning them. I want to speak language of blessing with my mouth and not something different than that. There's a great uh, I don't know if you remember this or not, but Philippians 4, 8, which is a great uh, refrigerator verse, you know, whatever's noble, pure, excellent, praiseworthy, you know, all those that think about these things. But the context of that verse is a conflict between two women, Euodia and Syntyche, that Paul's writing the letter to the Philippians to. And so the, the context is you think these things when you're thinking through a conflict that you have with someone and think those things about that person. And I would even say, speak those things, speak excellent, praiseworthy, notable, you know, admirable kinds of things. Use our mouths. Lord, help us to use our mouths for blessing in, in, uh, in, in taking these next steps toward uh, 
toward moving into the reality. So what I'm talking about is global, but it's also local. It's it's gigantic, meta, big, macro, but it's also micro. It's just one person with another person relationships. It's husbands, it's wives, it's brothers, it's sisters, it's it's life groups, it's college group, it's youth group, it's the church as a whole, it's our city, it's the relationships with other churches in the city. I this past Thursday ate with uh, uh, ate a meal, ate lunch with a bunch of it was about half and half African-American and whatever we are, you know, and uh, a lot of us, you know, and so um, there was great unity in sharing that meal. It was breaking bread. It was loving each other. It was seeing Jesus in each other. Made some new friends that day. Um, so it's it's lo- local. Um, Tertullian, at the end of the second century, wrote some things about belie- believers, and he was describing the pagans and their perspective about Christians. And he said they don't like us, but they cannot. They they talk about constantly how we love each other, how we serve each other, how we care for each other when we're sick, how we bring others into our homes when uh, when we're homeless and all of all of that. And uh, I will just say that um, some of the differences that we have, you guys, it will help to just if we just uh, sometimes we get locked in on some some. Something that's happening. It's a difference. It's a difference of opinion. And I just want to say, if you've got a brain, your brain is different than everybody else's. We are 100 percent different in that way. There's no two brains on planet Earth that are alike. Just been hearing some research from Dr. Carolyn Leaf on this. And it's just we're going to think different about different stuff. You know, we were talking in first service about uh, back when. Y2K happened and a lot of the younger guys. What is this thing that happened with computers? Uh, I don't know who all I need to be talking to right now. It's back in 2000 and everybody was afraid the apocalypse was coming because the computers were going to shut down and the planet was going to stop. Basically. And so even in the church, we had people kind of gathering into kind of little parties a bit about. Their perspective. So the the conspiracy guys in particular were uh, gathered around. You know, they would buy beans and stuff, and the garages got all filled up with beans and rice and water and you know different things. And they'd look at the people that just were just over here, just <laughs> bounding through life unprepared for what was about to happen with Y2K. They had nothing in their garages but their cars and their tools and stuff, and they're just you know. And there was this thing, and so finally we just got to where we could like go, hey, this is out there. It's a deal. You know, and so let's love each other. Some are the beans people and some are the no beans people. (laughs) Kind of Romans 14, you know, some drink wine and some don't. Some eat meat and some don't. And and it helps to kind of laugh just a little bit about some of our stuff because we don't think the same about everything. Education. Not the same. You guys are like, oh, I think we do. No, there's there's. You want me to go here? <laughs> there's homeschool. There's private school. There's public school. There's university model. There's combos of all of those things, you know, and there's all these different perspectives, right? It's OK. We're going to be OK. 
We don't make the same decisions about money. We don't make the same decisions about how we raise our kids. What a date night is if you're married. What a date night is if you're single. <laughs> you, get, you get my point. I'm just trying to say we're all different. We all come at things differently. We think differently about things. And yet God's calling us to be this one family of peace and love that have learned to love each other over time. You know, and that's how we walk. That's how we walk this thing out. Um, it's hard at times and it's going to require some new habits. I'm not going to get into a new place by doing the same things that I've been doing in the past. The so new habits are going to take some new practices and so some of these things, forgiveness and practicing, you know, meals and listening prayers, some of the blessings, some of these different things are going to really help me help us. Well, hey, I want us to respond to the Lord to so stand up just a bit and I want to speak some things over us first. So if you just kind of close your eyes and and then we'll just we'll spend just a moment in, in prayer and in ministry. But uh Hey, first of all, I just want to say that uh, just with eyes closed, that God destined you to be a part of his family of love and peace. He made that's who you are made to be. He created you with wonderful diversity that you could express his life and love to other people. And he wants you. He's calling you. He longs for you to be a person who embraces across whatever perceived lines of division and hostility that there are in the world. Those walls and those barriers are down because of Jesus Christ.